You're listening to the Prevailing Word podcast channel and also on our Prevailing Word live YouTube channel. I'm Pastor Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening. Let's get right into the message. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, beginning at verse 7. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Moved with godly fear. What would you do as a side issue? What would you do if a group of men came about and pulled you into an open area and Jesus was sitting there, or standing there, I should say, and uh, they accused you of adultery. What would you do? You had nowhere to run. You had nowhere to hide. You were caught by these men that accused you of adultery. We all know the story in John chapter 8. Uh, To commit adultery was a serious crime according to the commandments of God because the book of Exodus chapter 20 tells us that you shall not commit adultery. The book of Leviticus, not only was the woman that was caught in adultery were to be stoned, but the man. And so the men that brought this woman to Jesus wasn't following the full commandment as expounded in the book of Leviticus. Jesus stooped on the ground and began to write. And I could imagine that the men were impatient because they wanted a ruling from the rabbi. It is uh, circulated that perhaps the writing of the ground that Jesus was doing was the same writing that was on the Mount of God, Mount Sinai. In terms of the commandments that, that Jehovah gave to Moses, the tablets of stone, We won't know until later. So in my opinion, it leaves nothing but speculation in terms of what he had written on what the Lord Jesus had written on the ground. Then he stood up and said, he that is without sin cast the first stone. 
And in that moment, a grave conviction fell upon every man because they were giddy about Jesus allowing them by default of the law to stone her. But they would only be stoning only one person as opposed to the, the man. The man was missing. It's speculated that perhaps the one that committed adultery with her had a stone and wanted to get rid of the evidence. But that's speculation. He that is without sin cast the first stone. One by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they dropped their stones and walked away. And I could imagine the woman, and then Jesus stooped back down and went back to writing. I could just imagine the woman standing there, watching all the men that were prepared to stone her, drop their stones, and walked away. A burden must have lifted from off of her shoulders. But there was only one man left. The son of man. Who had every right to stone her, but even Jesus couldn't do it because the man that was caught in adultery wasn't present. Jesus looked, at up, uh, looked up at her and says, woman, where are those your accusers? And she said, nowhere, Lord. And then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. And then as many people do not expect. Jesus said this to her in addition. Go and sin no more. I wonder what would happen if the Lord Jesus told each of us to go and sin no more. Would we do it? We all know what happens in sin. We ignore the command to sin not. We completely suppress the command of God not to sin ever again. We know how it is with sin. We, we bypass the word, we sin, and then all of a sudden there is remorse that enters in. Remorse that you sinned when he told you not to. Remorse enters in. And we say, Lord, oh, I'm sorry. I sinned against you. 
I've committed sin and I'm sorry, Lord. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10 that godly sorrow works repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. What does it really mean to be saved? We get past that moment of remorse. We even go through certain scriptures. Lord, you said in your word, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We remember that he is our advocate. But John said in verse 1 of chapter 2 of his first epistle, says simply this, Little children, I write this to you, that you sin not, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And it appears that I'm guilty. I've used it over and over and over again, but I wasn't serious. Because after I recited all those scriptures, even 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1, therefore having these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I've confessed those scriptures. Let us lay aside all filthiness in James chapter 1 and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save our souls. We confess this. We confess that we are to pursue peace and holiness, pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which no man can see the Lord. We confess this. But then all of a sudden, the urges and the impulses resume, begins to beckon us back, call us back, and say, hey, remember me? Remember the sin that you said that you would so easily, that you would uh, lay aside that easily beset us? Well, here I am. We forget about James chapter 1. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. We forget about 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. There is therefore now no, no temptation that can overtake you such as is common to man. But God is willing that he is not that he will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape. Here I am, says sin. I'm back. Your urges and impulses go to a heightened level of warfare a heightened level of warfare that goes against the scriptures and against God. Yet, Jesus said, go and sin no more. 
We go back over the scriptures in Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. That we are not to engage in sin. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Know you not that you are the temple of the living God, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6? We forget that we're born again. We forget that we're saved. And we allow our impulses and urges to overwhelm us. Remember the scriptures in Galatians chapter 5. It tells us that we are not to walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. We go back and forth into, into this warfare of, of tug and pull. Which way do I go? Yet Jesus said, go and sin no more. Do we move in godly fear at that moment or do we suppress being afraid of God and continue in sin, hoping that God would overlook it, simply ignore it, and we tell him, Lord, you remember that we're just dust. We make mistakes, Lord. But we tend to forget that there is a difference between a mistake and deliberate, intentional defiance of the command of God. Go and sin no more. We've turned repentance into a revolving door where, oh, God will forgive. William Booth of the Salvation Army once said, after being asked the question, what will Christianity look like after 100 years? And one of his many answers was that men would want forgiveness without repentance. We really don't take repentance seriously. And even in the hour that we're living in, we're seeing the same measure of ignoring God's command to repent on the same level. In fact, in many of our churches, Repentance isn't even mentioned. Because repentance isn't about being just sorry, although godly sorrow works. Repentance. Repentance means obey the command to turn from sin. Years ago, when we came into the false doctrine of word of faith, we 
discussed the fear of God, but only put it in such a low status. Reverence. Now, don't get me wrong. Reverence is a part of the definition. Just like change your mind is a part of the definition of repentance. But people never really delve deeper into the definition. You see, when you deal in the depth of the definition, you won't leave out the importance of the expounding on the definition of repentance. In fact, all that is required is that you change your mind. Whereas repentance demands that you turn from sin. Hence, what Jesus said to the woman that was caught in adultery, go and sin no more. It's not even taught anymore correctly from the scriptures, repentance. The reason why it's not being taught is that it's an offense to the hearers. That if you mention that nasty three-lettered word called sin, you will offend people. Sin and repentance. It offends people because now you have uncovered who they really are. And it's an embarrassment in front of everybody for people to know that you are a sinner. And when we see Noah moved with godly fear, he recognized that the impending judgment of God is coming. Noah preached for 100 years because the Bible tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He feared God to the degree that while he was building this ark for 100 years, he had enough time in between what he was doing to be a preacher of righteousness. But did the people turn? No. The people did not turn because they simply ignored what Noah was saying. And it's much like today in our world that we're in but not of. So much so that if you say one peep about sin, you will be silenced. We will do harm to you. Who are you to tell us about sin? 
just a messenger. And we find that even in the houses of worship where we assemble together, there is little rehearsal of why Jesus came in the first place. We tend to forget what the whole purpose of the coming, the first coming of Christ was about. We really changed the way this gospel is to be preached. Now, some of you can't see this from where you're sitting, but it is the false Jesus. Don't be deceived. Many people are preaching a false Jesus. And here are some of his attributes from the false teaching. His commandments are suggestions. Repentance is not necessary. Holiness is not required. Self-denial is not necessary. Even the wicked love this Jesus. We've reduced him to the kind of God that we would want to serve. And as a result, they sit in these places having never repented of sin according to the scriptures. The scriptures is very clear. I could just imagine Noah climbing the ladder I don't know what kind of tools he had, but he was able to cut wood. He was able to put mixture together to uh, put in between the cracks so the water wouldn't get in. I don't know if his sons from his, from, from his lineage helped him out. We don't know. I, I would say Based on preponderance, they probably did give him a hand because it was a lot of work. But just imagine being 500 years old, hauling wood, cutting wood, and building not a one deck, not a two deck, but a three deck ship with a conning tower with a window in it big enough to hold male and female of every species that God would summon to the earth and then kill the rest. But not only that, not only that, but for 100 years, store enough food for them and for eight people. That's a stunning feat. And then after, while in between doing all of that, he's preaching the word. 
Imagine at 500 years of age, now to get getting close to 600, 600, you've been doing this every single day because Noah was moved with godly fear. He did not want to be destroyed with the wicked. He moved with godly fear. If you're struggling with sin today, that one thing that you couldn't lay aside that easily besets you, just remember what Jesus told the woman that was caught in adultery. Go and sin no more. Every time your urges and impulses rise up, just remember what Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery. Go and sin no more. Because ultimately, that's what the gospel is about. The good news of Jesus paying the penalty for sin and then you walk in obedience to the commands of Jesus for the rest of your life. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. God is not demanding perfection. He is demanding that we stop offending him. Because ultimately, the pleasure of sin is ultimately offensive to God. It is no different than you sitting in a subway car and someone walks in that hasn't bathed in 10 years. And the stench and the smell is unbearable. And you had to get up and go to the next car because you couldn't bear that smell. Just imagine one sin offending God just like an individual that has never bathed for 10 years. Noah moved with godly fear. Now again, it doesn't mean that you quit your job, get a doomsday package, or do wild stuff. It simply means from what is said in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10 that be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. When we are diligent in making our call and election sure, what we're doing is that we are seriously considering whether our salvation is what it is. Now, a person may say, well, you know, we have the guarantee of the scriptures but I'm here to tell you that the Bible will tell us how to be saved. The Bible will affirm what we've done to be saved. But the Bible will not tell you that you are saved. And here's the point. Because being saved 
from something means that you do not return to what you've been saved from. To say that you are saved doesn't mean that you go back to what you've been saved from. To be saved means that you're no longer in danger. How are you going to prove that you're no longer in danger? How are you going to prove that you're no longer in danger? Like I said, the scriptures will tell you how to get saved. The, tell, the scriptures will affirm what you've done to get saved. But the scripture will not tell you that you're saved. The only way that you're going to know that you're saved. Yes, you may read the scriptures. But do you obey the scriptures? Do we obey the scriptures every single moment of our lives? Do we detest what God detests? Do we abstain from all evil? Do we refrain from wickedness? Or do we participate in them regardless of what the scripture says and simply say, oh, God will forgive me. God will let it go. Not realizing that that's hypocrisy. Because. When it comes to salvation, either you are saved from something or you really weren't saved to begin with. Go to Second Peter chapter one. Let's let's look at this. Second Peter chapter one. And look at verse five. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue to virtue knowledge. But go up a little bit further. Let, 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 let's, let's go up a little bit further. Look at verse two. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given us, given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Virtue meaning valor or manliness, excellence. A virtuous course of thought, feeling, and action. Virtue, moral goodness. What is moral goodness? Well, let's expound on the definition a little bit further. Any particular moral excellence as modesty and then purity. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. 
by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. The divine nature isn't about what you can get out of God. The divine nature is about learning how to walk in the knowledge of Christ for the rest of your life in godliness, in moral purity, in moral purity, which have been given to us exceeding, exceedingly great and precious promises. Through, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having, watch this, escaped. See, that's what it means to, to be saved. You escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You see, to escape something means that you got out of its hands before it was able to do damage. We all know what it is to escape. To escape means that you were once held captive, but now you are an escapee. Anybody that is saved from sin is an escapee. Now, a person that has escaped doesn't go back to the prison house from whence they've escaped from. Otherwise, you didn't escape. You just went back home. And it's the same with sin. Because if we've escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, why go back to the prison house? Why go back to the prison house? It doesn't make sense. You see, repentance has to mean more than God forgiving us. It means that what Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery. Go and sin no more. Verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence. Diligence simply means that you're hard at work. Diligence also means speed, earnestness, forwardness, haste, carefulness. Earnestness, diligence, earnestness in accomplishing promoting or striving after anything to give diligence interests oneself most earnestly. And that's what it is with salvation. You most earnestly pursue the godliness that was afforded to us through the new birth. We are to give all diligence Add to your faith virtue. Add to what kind of faith? Add to your faith on Christ alone for salvation. Add to your faith virtue. 
We already defined a virtue. To virtue, knowledge. Where do we get knowledge from? The scriptures. To knowledge, self-control. Oh, self-control. The urges and the impulses. Do you have them under your control? Do you control yourself? Do you control your eyes? Do you control your hands? Do you control your feet? Do you control your organs? If you've escaped the world, if you escape the corruption that is in the world through lust, then you have control over your eyes, over your hands, over your organs, and over your feet. You have control. To have control simply means, no, God said, go and sin no more. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? We can't live in what we've escaped from. Noah found a way to do just that, to live a righteous and holy life, so much so that it compelled him to seek after the grace that was in the eyes of God. But not just to seek the grace that is in the eyes of God, because we all know that grace is God doing something for you that you cannot do for yourself. But it is also obeying his commands. It's not just grace and God does something for you that you can't do for yourself. You have to obey his commands. Self-control requires that you abstain from all appearance of evil. That you just don't sit there and entertain wickedness. And when your friends come over, you just turn on wicked shows. Because you know that that's what they like to watch. Thereby, you are becoming a party to their sins. That when your friends come over, you turn off your Christian music. You hide your Bible. You hide anything that has to do with Christ because you don't want to offend them. Self-control means that you know how to control yourself. Noah was in that environment where people did not want to control themselves. And we live in this environment where people no longer want to be controlled by righteousness. So much so, so much out of control that they are now introducing sin blatantly to our children. that this kind of living is approved because it's the law.
But just because men make it law doesn't mean that it's moral. Morality comes from the scriptures. And that's why you cannot be afraid any longer of the light. If you're burning for the Lord, you, you can't hide your light. You can't hide who you are. Even in front of your friends and family, you can't hide who you are because you don't want to offend them. No, the, the, the light is burning so much in you. That it just burns up everything. How come we're so on fire in praise, but we're quiet in witnessing? How come we're so loud and there's nothing wrong with that? We're loud in our services, but when we leave service, we go home and we're, and the church mouse is even saying, cat got your tongue? We hide ourselves. We hide who we are because we're embarrassed of Christ, one, or we're in sin ourselves, two, embarrassed of Christ, that's two, or we're cowards, number three. And number four, we just don't want to mix it up with people. Confront them. To knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance. You know what perseverance is? It is patience, waiting, waiting it out. And you see, that's why it's next to self-control. Because when the urges and impulses rises up, you got to have perseverance to wait it out. Not give in to it, but to wait it out. Just like if you went on a 24-hour fast and somebody put Popeye in front of you and you in your first hour, do you have self-control and do you have perseverance? Our favorite sin always rises up, but do we have self-control? Do we, do we do what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27, that I beat my body and bring it into subjection. Do we, do we wrestle and bring our flesh into submission to God? You see, the all quick way that we try to deal with it is that we try to resist the devil without submission. You see, in order for Noah to be a preacher of righteousness, he had to incorporate everything to keep from doing something that offends God so that he, he would be saved. He had self-control and he had perseverance. To perseverance, godliness, which means piety, especially the gospel scheme. The gospel scheme, holiness, reverence, respect, piety towards God. 
to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of God, and in the knowledge rather of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you don't have these things and they're not abounding, then you are unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch verse 10. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed, escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, you forgot that you were cleansed from your old sins. Why? Because we always leave a back door or a bridge to the sins that we love. We always leave a bridge to it because we always go back to that bridge. But you see, when you're in Christ, you got to burn your bridges to sin. Back to the old sins. You got to burn the bridge. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent, verse 10. Be even more diligent, haste, diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you see, it's not enough for you to know these things. Peter said, for if you do these things. And that's where the problem has been. And, and, and we all wonder why people, they claim to have come, in, come to Christ, especially those who are in the music industry, movie stars and whatnot. We always wonder why they make a return back to sin. It's because they're not doing these things. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life. That they may enter through the gates into the city, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 14. You have to do his commandments. Noah did his commandments after finding grace in the eyes of God. That compelled him to move with godly fear. You see, every single day, those of us that are sensitive to the heart of God, every day the Holy Spirit is going to tell you something in his word. One of the most, one of the most profound things that, that he's said to me in, in recent times, and when I say recent, last week, he said, is your repentance repentance? Is your repentance repentance? And if you're not careful, you will simply suppress that, put it to the side and 
won't think nothing of it. You go back to business as usual. You'll forget what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. We'll, 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 we, we won't lay it aside. Is your repentance repentance? And, and if you're sensitive in, in your heart, if, if your heart is not callous, your conscience is, isn't seared, you'll begin to examine whether your repentance is real or not. <laughs> Years ago, when I'm in the pulpit preaching, yet I'm caught up in the sin of pornography, yeah, my salvation was in jeopardy. Claiming to be saved and you're walking in deliberate defiance of the will of God, your salvation is forfeited until you understand your repentance is repentance. There was a song by Tremaine Hawkins Stevens years ago. Tremaine Hawkins, right? Uh, that, uh, it's called Holy One. And the, some of the words were, Holy One, I will never let you down. No more. Never, never, no more. I will never let you down. And I said, that's too much conviction. How can I tell God no, no, no more, never? How can, I, how can I do that? And it's only by help of the Holy Spirit to, get, to help you obey the scriptures that you mean what you said. Do you really mean that you will never, ever let him down again? Do you really mean it? Out of all the songs that I've ever heard, that one is number one. Because have I escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust or am I still a part of it? Is my repentance repentance? The reason why they go back into the world is because repentance isn't repentance. They become so overwhelmed with their urges and impulses that they never become serious about being serious. I like that, what the late uh, Leonard Ravenhill, street preacher in England that came to the United States and Texas once said, when are we going to get serious about being serious? And that's why we have false teachers to test us to see whether or not we're going to follow the true teachings of the word or listen to a false, safe gospel that strokes our back and say, oh, it's going to be all right. You'll feel better, but never turn from sin. And usually the ones that are famous on the social media, the internet and all, usually 
They have a following, a big crowd. And once they make the exit, others that are following them will do the same. And they end up on the road to destruction. Broad is the way, it says in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13 and 14. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many will go in thereat. No one wants the narrow way. Noah found that narrow way. He preached it to these people, and they didn't want to have anything to do with the narrow way, anything to do with righteousness. Their minds were only evil continually. Much like today, But do we stop praying? But do we stop preaching? No. Noah didn't. He kept right on going. I could just imagine him. It says preacher of righteousness, which means to herald, which means to proclaim. I could just imagine Noah preaching with every fiber of his being about what is about to come. But no one wanted to listen. Much like today, very few, if any, would listen. Because we bring the conviction of the scriptures correctly to bear on the sin that they enjoy. Because ultimately, that's what repentance is all about. Ultimately, that's what the gospel, the true gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. Because everybody want an entrance into heaven, but no repentance. The people that Noah was facing, they didn't want to repent. But it doesn't stop me. It doesn't stop the many hundreds of thousands or maybe millions, and I believe many millions, of, of preachers that preach every, every single day out in the streets. In the, in the malls, in the hotels, in the homes, in the restaurants. Preach every day. Doesn't stop them from doing this. Because one day God is going to close things up. And we're closer than we've ever been before. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. If you do these things, Paul said that if you do these things, therefore I admonish you, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Moving with godly fear is coming to your senses about how you're living your life, how you view sin, how you view the acts of the wicked and how you view righteousness. More and more, you separate yourself from the very things that the Lord opposes. Second Corinthians chapter six, look at verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, Paul is not talking about don't go around unbelievers. He's talking about when you're in fellowship with them. 
Meaning that you either turn a blind eye to what they're doing or you agree with what they're doing. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Can righteousness fellowship with lawlessness? No. And what communion has light with darkness? We know that in the beginning in the book of Genesis, God said that he separated the light from the darkness. There is always a separation. And what accord has Christ with Belial, worthless? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? There's no agreement. There's no connection. There's no communion. There's no fellowship. There's no accord. There's none. Either you are for righteousness or you're not. Either you're, you're in the temple of God or you're in the temple of idols. Both cannot be in that place. We all know what happened in the book of 1 Samuel with Dagon. You shall have no other gods beside. Uh, you shall have no other gods before me. God knocked Dagon down twice. For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them. Can, can God dwell in you and you're connected in the world? You see, that, that was what was in Noah that was in opposition to God. That was what was in Noah and then Noah preaching to that which was in opposition to God. So since Noah found grace in the eyes of God, God made a plan for Noah to get saved and he moved with godly fear. And so God was dwelling with Noah and his family. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them. If you're in there and you are in fellowship with unrighteousness, if darkness and light is mingled, if you are in the temple of God and you have idols in your temple, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. And look at the promise here. And I will receive you. You see, we all talk about we all talk about you got to receive Christ. You got to accept Christ. That's all well, fine and good in John chapter one and verse 12. As many as received Christ to them, gave he power to become sons of God. But did God receive you? How do you know that God received you? Well, the Bible says that I'm saved. Well, that's not good enough. Are you doing the Bible? Are you doing the commands? Because I believe that Noah, when he found grace in the eyes of God for those 100 years plus, whatever, he was doing his commands to avoid wickedness because he saw that God was judging the world. 
He said, I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, moved with godly fear. Are we moved like Noah was with godly fear? The only way that you're going to find that out is when sin approaches and you cut it off and you no longer go and sin some more. No, you do the opposite. Go and sin no more. You've been listening to our Prevailing Word podcast channel on Anchor, Apple Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. Please check out our Prevailing Word Live YouTube channel. Links are also available on our Prevailing Word Ministries Facebook page. I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening.